This podcast is brought to you thanks to the generous support of Whistler Blackcomb, leaders in delivering adventure. It's, I think it's really hard to make good decisions that it should be because we're making consequential decisions, as you said. Like people are relying on us to have a better understanding of our environments than um, than than they do a lot of the time. The more complex an environment gets, the harder it is to predict. And with our decisions, in some ways, we're trying to predict these environments that are really complicated. That's I think that is hard to do, especially if it's a new environment, and it always is. It is it's a new environment every day and new people. Welcome to Delivering Adventure. This is the podcast that explores what it really takes to share adventure like a pro with your friends, your family, and as a profession. My name is Chris Capio, and I'm coming to you from Whistler, British Columbia. And I'm Jordy Shepard, recording from Canmore, Alberta. After a lifetime of working extensively in different parts of the adventure guiding industry, Chris and I have teamed up to launch this podcast. In each episode, you will hear top adventure guides, managers, marketers, and athletes share their best stories, advice, and trade secrets. The goal of this podcast is to share how you can take yourself and others farther from the mountains to the office and beyond. In this episode, we are joined by friend of the show, Will Gad. Will is going to help us to explore the power of good judgment and decision-making. At its heart, a decision is a choice where we select what we think is the best option that meets our needs, goals, or sometimes it's just the one we prefer. Every day, we make thousands of decisions, many of them happening on a subconscious level. If we were to view this through the lens of a ski or snowboard instructor, the decisions they are making in every moment of the day include how fast to go, where to stop, when to look behind them, how big their turns should be, what they should be modeling, how far should they go before giving their students a rest, what should their feedback be when they do stop, how should they deliver that feedback, where should they go next, and so on. What you will find is that the best adventure guides and instructors are the ones that consistently make the best decisions. When it comes to delivering adventure, Often the most consequential decisions are the ones where we are trying to decide whether to increase the risk and complexity in a situation or not. This could mean deciding to take a harder route, cross avalanche terrain or go through a busy area, or whether to continue towards an objective or turn around because the situation has changed. One person who's been faced with making many difficult decisions in the face of high-consequence risk-taking is Will Gadd. Will is a professional sponsored athlete and ACMG Alpine guide. Among many of Will's feats are first ascents, ice climbing Niagara Falls, Hamilton Falls, icebergs, and many other climbs around the world, including on the top of Kilimanjaro. Will is also a world-class whitewater kayaker and paraglider. He has twice set the world record for the longest paragliding flight. As an elite athlete and professional guide, Will is extremely experienced when it comes to evaluating risk and making decisions that could have serious consequences for himself and the people he is leading, or the people he's working with. This makes Will one of the perfect people to talk about the power of judgment. As always, we'll do a recap of the key points at the end of the episode. Now let's bring Will into the Delivering Adventure Studio. 
So welcome back to the show, to Delivering Adventure. Uh, we're happy to have you here, Will. Yeah, thank you for having me back. I think I'm in rare company with the the double the double the double uh, guests here, so I appreciate that. Yeah, well, hopefully you become a regular. Uh, your <laughs> your episodes have uh, received a lot of a lot of listens, and uh, it shows that our uh, our audience is uh, being reached by by you and your messaging, and that's our goal. Uh, it's it's good. I enjoy talking about this with two people that also live it as as I do, you know, and and I enjoy the show. So right on. Thank you. So today we're going to start with uh, the power of good judgment. We've got Will Gad here, and really the theme is why the ability to make good decisions is the most important adventure skill. And we all know decision making is quite important. The last time you joined us on the show, you talked a lot about ice climbing. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the other adventure sports that you've been involved with at a high level? Yeah, and first off, I'm not sure I'm the poster child for good decision making. Let's be clear about that. I still I make a lot of errors in my decision making, and and uh, hopefully learn from them. But I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I don't want to go there. Well, I, I've <laughs> said sure. this, I've said this before in the show, and I'll probably say it again in the future. Some of the best decisions to learn from are others. So if you have some poor decisions for us to learn oh, yeah. from and our audience, that's perfect. Yeah, I I, I do. Um, yeah, I, I I think very rarely do I get home from a day of guiding or or just being out in the mountains or whatever and think, yep, I nailed that. It's usually like, well, that could have been better, you know. I, I need to work on that. So, but that process is really important, and and to look at the decision making and engage with it. And if you're honest about it, then, it, then I think it has a lot of value to to review things. But um, the other sports I've been really involved with are, are, I guess, caving as a kid. That was one of my first real sports. So. I was sort of getting pushed through these little holes and caves with my mainly my dad. I was the I was the scout, and I would fit places that other people wouldn't. So at the age of like twelve, I'm I'm off behind walls of rock that other people literally can't get to me in. So decision making was really important there because nobody was going to come and help me if I got it wrong. And I I think that was a really useful experience. And then kayaking as well. When I was fourteen, I got really into kayaking. And that's something I still do a lot of today. So paddling whitewater rivers mainly all over North America, a little bit globally, but doing a lot of that. Love rivers and water. And when I retire, I'm going to go just, you know, paddle my kayak on rivers, I think. Um, and then paragliding. I've been really involved in that for, seems incredible to say this, but almost 30 years. So um, mostly distance paragliding, but also competing and winning winning and losing competitions of that at a national and international level as well and then sport climbing i won the canadian nationals and the u.s nationals or north american championships i guess for sport climbing and yeah rock climbing i, I i'll do about anything outside i just you know i like getting outside and having adventures and i seem to sort of sequentially engage in different things and skiing too i grew up backcountry skiing love skiing don't get to do as much of it as I'd like, but that's always something I return to every year with a great deal of enthusiasm. So of the skills that we need to deliver adventure, what are some of the skills or traits that are top of mind for you? I think that's an interesting topic because it, 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 that's why you've got a podcast in it, obviously. <laughs> but the, 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 uh, There's so many different ways to deliver adventure, but I think one of the first things that you have to do is to know yourself to some extent and to know what you are comfortable with and can and can't do. That's that's probably the biggest one is self-knowledge. And I look back at my career, the times when I've really blown it 
in the process of delivering adventure to others has generally involved either mostly involved poor self-knowledge on my part or, or a poor read of people. It's seldom like I tied the wrong knot. It's more like I just didn't know what was going on, either in my own head or others. I once lost, I was working, I was 13, 14 maybe, maybe as old as 15. And I had a group of kids that were like two years younger than me and I'm leading them around the mountains of Jasper. And one of them was a pain in the ass. And this kid irritated me to the point where I told him just to hike off on his own. And looking back on it, it was a, you know, that was a classic, like, I didn't have the wherewithal to say, hey, you know, the point is not how irritated I am with this kid. And I was, I was a kid myself, but, um, you know, I, I needed to be, I needed to be more self-aware about what my weaknesses were. So I'd say self-awareness is probably the number one skill that you need. And then you need all the technical skills and everything else for sure. But if you don't know yourself, then you'll lose kids like I did. We found them. It worked out, but <laughs> it wasn't a good scene. <laughs> So where does decision-making rank in terms of skills for delivering adventure? Our ability to make decisions, if done well, often affects the outcomes of our trips, right? And, and knowing yourself again and what you value and, and what the people that you're with value and putting those things together. But yeah, if you decision-making is in some ways everything. You know, I made a decision to let that kid wander off and, and uh, that was a bad decision. And I, I had a decent outcome. We found the kid but it, it could have gone really bad. So yeah, decision, the ability to make good decisions or at least reflect on your bad decisions and learn from them is very high in the, in the order of things for me. Annie Duke, uh, an author um, about, yeah. uh, she writes on decision-making and uh, coming from uh, poker initially and then more into the academia of it. And we're hoping to get her on the show here at some point. I've reached out to her. And uh, yeah, she, she speaks about... Uh, more the process rather than the outcome in terms of analyzing yes. your decisions, because you can say, you can look back and say, well, that was a good decision because nothing bad happened, but yes. you can actually analyze the process and say, you know what? My process was maybe a little flawed. It ended up going the right direction, but uh, I don't think, I think I could do better in my process. And that's how we can, we can get better at this. I, I'm a huge Annie Duke fan. I just gave five copies of that of her book, Thinking in Bets, to um, and everybody in this group that I work with that is kind of a, in what she would call a truth-seeking group. And this is a, a group of people that I get together with once a month, and we, we talk through different issues and so on. And this is the same idea that Annie Duke does with poker players. She's a World Series poker player, and so she's breaking after a big – or she was a World Series poker player, but after a big tournament, all these poker players sit down and they don't let you know the other poker players get away with the bullshit. It's not just bad luck. It's like, did you play good hands and did you make good decisions and, and things didn't go your way? Or did you get a bad outcome because you got emotional? And and uh, yeah, it's that book's amazing. For anybody that thinks about risk, thinking in bets, Annie Duke can highly recommend that. I, I give that to people and give that to guests and things as well. It's a, it's a great book. So glad you brought that up. So why do you think it's so hard to make good decisions when you're, when we're put into these situations, we're delivering adventure and we're being relied upon. People are often paying us. We're professionals in our field with, you know, guiding, instructing, facilitating, teaching. And why, why is it not easy Oof, I've, not, I've always just assumed it's really difficult. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think it's really hard to make good decisions that it should be because we're making consequential decisions, as you said. Like people are relying on us to 
have a better understanding of our environments than um, than than they do a lot of the time. Making good decisions is difficult, and especially in complicated environments. You know, if you think about like a poker hand and Annie Duke, there's six decks of cards and there's 52 cards in each deck. Your possibilities are are limitless, but they're pretty defined. You know, there's 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 not going to be a size two coming through the roof of the poker game, right? Like you don't have to worry about that. Whereas in our world, we have to worry about all these things. And a lot of them are really hard to define. And the complexity level is very, very high. And, you know, I'm thinking about this always, but the more complex an environment gets, the harder it is to predict. And with our decisions, in some ways, we're trying to predict these environments that are really complicated. And that's, I think that is hard to do especially if it's a new environment and it always is it is it's a new environment every day and new people but there there should be some kind of developmental process in that that allows you to get better at making those decisions i think when i was younger it was harder to make these decisions for me often um because i just had no background and i i didn't you know like the lost the kid i lost i just i didn't i made a lot of a lot of bad ones and as you get older hopefully you get better at managing yourself and therefore managing the people you're with and and engaging with the environment but it's it's hard they they should be hard they should make you think and when things seem hard then they should make you think you know it's i i you know to one quick story i was guiding 4 days ago in in field bc and it started blowing really hard on the ridge tops, and I'm sitting there listening to your voice, Jordy, and some of the other people that I've had good instruction from. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm I'm looking at the Bosworth station on my phone. And finally, I was like, okay, I told my guest we need to just hang out here and see what's going on. So we're sitting in the parking lot there at Field, and other ours clevers are charging up to Carlsberg, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out what's going on and whether it's actually going to warm up and this big inversion is going to come in. It was a really hard decision, and. In the end, I decided that I didn't have enough information to go into exposed terrain at all. So I, I minimized that and just chose a different climb. And we had a great day. And, you know, I was talking about it with my guests the whole time. And this goes into some of the other questions, I think. But sharing what I was doing and saying, look at the look at these winds on the upper Bosworth station on Avcad. And look at what's going on with the temperatures over here. And here's the windy forecast. And at, you know, 10,000 feet, it's going to be ripping harder in three hours. So, but it was, you know, it took, honestly, it took about an hour to make that decision or an hour and a half with my guest. And a lot of people walked by us, but on the other hand, we had a good day. So it worked out. So, so a few things there. One is you, you decided to go have a look, like you at least went out to the area, right? So you didn't, you didn't shut down the day before it even started. And that, that often I find is a sign of a professional. It's like, let's go have a look, you know, in a, you know, in a relatively safe way, because you don't actually know often until you get there. And we try and use all these data points and weather forecasting, and it's nice to have, you know, station, real-time stations. But on the other hand, it's really nice to have the actual information when you get there. And you can be surprised any direction. And then the other piece is the uncertainty piece. It's you're doing everything you can to try and reduce the amount of uncertainty in your day. That's what you're being hired for. And because these people, you know, we think maybe we don't know. Well, the people that hire us, they, they often know less than us because that's why they're hiring us. And so if we can take that as much uncertainty out of, out of the equation as possible, that makes us safer and leads to 
better outcomes, therefore a better decision-making process. So, and you, you were doing that. You were totally doing that. Yeah. I mean, that, I, there's a lot of what you just said. So I could, I could, we could talk about just that for the next hour and a half. Um, but I, I totally agree. You got to go look, stick your nose in, see what's going on. And often, as you say, you're surprised either in, by what you see there. And I think a lot of people fail because they, they don't just go and have a look. And if you can do that in a safe way, then I think that's really, really important to go and do that. The other thing I did that day was dark because this is the dark time of the year. And I was like, I have to be able to see what's actually going on with the winds up there. And I can't see, I know at Bosworth, you know, this, this weather station on relative high altitude terrain around me is saying, but what's actually going on above our climb that we want to do and, and just wait. And I think that's a really often a really good tactic um, is just, just to slow things down. And, you know, I've never had a guest say, Oh, why don't we just go now? And if they do, then I explain, you know, maybe what I'm thinking about and what I'm watching for. And they're like, that's okay. That seems pretty reasonable. <laughs> they're not usually the ones that are, uh, that are pushing on it. It's usually that pressure is weirdly, usually from me, not, not the guest, the guest, once you say, Hey, there's, there's a real hazard here. Guests usually get on board with that pretty quick or, you know, whether I'm teaching paragliding or, or anything, it's, you know, stop and have lunch is, has worked well for me many times over the years. Let's just slow things down until we get a bit more information. Yeah. And then thirdly, in your example there, you had a plan B or, and, or C and, or D right and you you selected one of those instead and had a great day yeah i there's so much so i mean what you a lot of what you just said is really interesting the the certainty piece like certainty is an accelerator and it it can be a good thing but i i actually get certainty scares me when i'm out in the mountains when somebody says i'm certain it's this way i'm worried i'm like really you're you're sure about that because it's like hitting the gas pedal you stop you're just looking forward at that point where you're just certain things are the way they are. And I think it's a, there's a quote I love and I'm just completely blocking the, the author's name, but it's the quote is basically, it's, it's not the things um, we know that get us into trouble. It's the things we know that just ain't so. And I, and I love that quote because it's a certainty predictor. It's like, we know this and, and that it's just not that way. So it's a, I don't want to ever operate in a state of like absolute certainty. That that scares me. I, I want to always be open to what's happening around me. That's kind of that's really important. I, I, at the same time, I want to listen to you know those clues and be like, what's what's really going on here? What am I missing? And I assume that I am missing something. And I think that's a really helpful tool to have in your brain. It's it's not what do I what am I getting right? It's what am I what am I missing? And and looking for those little little clues, whatever they are. And then a lot of it comes down to having good flow for your day as yeah. well, right? So you you can you can sit endlessly in the vehicle in the parking lot and yep. not make a decision. And that's yep. possibly pretty darn safe, but it's yep. not actually delivering adventure. And so you're actually not being the professional that you're purporting to be at that point. And so yeah. if you choose these decision points through your day, where it's like, okay, we're going to go have a look and we're going to start at this point here. And then we're going to make a decision from there. And then we're going to, you know, maybe move towards a climb. If we're going ice climbing, alpine climbing, ski touring, whatever you're doing. And then, but having that flow so that it doesn't really affect your, your guest, your client, your student, 
that much. That's the professional side of the, the activity. Um, and that's, that's, that's truly delivering adventure where they don't even recognize or know, unless you're maybe telling them that you are actually stopping to have a break in a wind-free zone where, yeah. you know, they've been sweating for a little bit. Right. And it's like, okay, well, we're not, we don't want to be in the wind here. And I know it's about to get windy, but I know if I stop right here, they can have a little break and I'm just going to scamper ahead. I'm going to look around the corner. I'm going to go, go get some more information while they are having a little break. And then you put on the equipment that you need to, you know, maybe it's harnesses and ropes and all that kind of stuff to get on a glacier or to, to start into some steeper terrain. And your transitions are reduced through the day. And we all know that it takes time to have a transition. And yeah, so, could, uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> if you could tie in your transition points for things like breaks and, and rest and water breaks and food and equipment changes and moving from short roping to long roping or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, uphill to downhill mode, whether it's biking or, or ski touring or any of these things, then, and you can gather some information at that time that does not take time out of the day unnecessarily. And then that can lead you to being, you know, less uncertain, maybe not certain, but less uncertain um, to, to choose the flow. And it totally, the clients have really no idea that that is happening. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think good guiding is a, is an art and little tricks like that are, are important. And another thing that what you said is really important. It's, um, often that removes, that fixes errors before they happen. And when I, when I first started delivering adventure taking people into the mountains, I, I was very uncomfortable saying, hey, I need to look at something, um, whether it was a river or, or whatever I was doing. Um, I was kind of uncomfortable with that. As I've gotten older, I've, I've, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with saying, I don't know where the trail is going. Give me five minutes here, get a drink, I'll be back. And and then I just, you know, I sprint off and I could move fast to that terrain and I run around and I come back and I'm like, it goes that way. Thanks for waiting. Everybody got a drink. But yeah, I use that tactic regularly because if you storm ahead, then the air often compounds. And all of a sudden you're like in the raw drainage and you're like, why did I go here? And then, then it becomes hard to find your campsite for the night or whatever's going on. And yeah, it's snowball. So yeah, I use that tactic a lot. It's a good one. Thank you. So Will, you, you mentioned a, a few key things there about awareness and the idea of being curious. And I, I notice a lot of people lack both of those things, right? That the generally people are not that curious. They, they don't ask a lot of questions. They're not looking for information. And they may not know themselves or have the awareness to to look around and see what else is going out there. I ran into a, a colleague of mine yesterday, and I, I'm not going to name who it is, but it was interesting how he was just telling me about these series of different things that he'd been doing. And each time you're thinking, oh, my God, just tell me you didn't do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you did that. And you could just tell that his decision making was just not very good. Like uh, he's a smart guy super nice guy but it just makes terrible decisions and it's and it's cost him actually uh he's just recovering mm -hmm. from a from a long injury where he crashes bike and you're thinking what is it that i could help you to understand to make better decisions and, and i think that there are a lot of people that, that make a lot of um, mistakes and when we look at them what do you think some of the more common mistakes that people make uh, are when it comes to to exercising good judgment or, or a lack of judgment? Well, you're, it sounds like your friend, I mean, this is a really interesting story because your friend 
could really benefit from some good self-awareness. And I do see that in terms of people that I go out both recreationally and professionally in different sports in. The, the people who are more self-aware are going, and if they make an error, they're like, wow, I really blew that. And it's they don't blame it in Annie Duke's terms on like the cards. They look in the mirror and have that conversation. And I've had that conversation with that guy you were talking to with myself. I'm like, why the hell did you do that? Why did you make that decision? You know, like, and, then, and, then, and then breaking it down. I think that's really, really important to, to do that, to ask those questions. And if your friend isn't doing that, um, the next place to maybe get that is how good of a friend is he? And if he's a really good friend, maybe you could ask those questions to him. I, I've, I really value those friends who, who do ask me those questions and say, hey, why did you do this? And, and what are you thinking about? And is that what's going to happen? Because over and over again, I've seen the mountains. I'm sure you guys have too. It's like some people tend to have a lot of epics. And, you're, and they come back and like, I had to bivouac and it was minus 20 and I survived and they're all excited about it. And I'm thinking, man, why'd you do that? Like, I didn't, no, and then they do it again a week later. And then they like, then their car rolls into the river and you're like, why? You know, like, and, and obviously there's some pieces of it that are kind of missing and it's, it's not, you know, everybody, everybody gets, it's going to, you know, everybody has accidents and issues and gets benighted occasionally. But when it's a pattern, that self-awareness piece, and to your question on how to get better at that, I think that's the answer. You gotta, you you gotta ask yourself questions and and not just blame the weather or the cards or, or anything like that. You gotta you gotta dig in. And you were also managing people here too, right? It's not just the terrain. And it seems like if you go out with the intent to have less drama, and and more experience, but, but without being dramatic about it and being like, Whoa, mm-hmm. that rock just zing by me kind of, you know, those sort of, that's, that's not, that's not that type of drama is not good experiences um, because it's essentially a near miss. Right. And so you yeah. can, if we can weave through the terrain and, and do our day out there, whatever it is, whether it's instructional or, or aspirational to, you know, climb a peak or descend something or whatever we're doing, uh, but without having a lot of drama uh, to talk about at the end of the day and just talk about the good experiences, that's probably success. Yeah, that's a very good start. And, and I think that word drama, I, I I like that. I like to avoid drama as much as possible. Like when somebody's like, oh, we had an epic, we got our rope stuck, or we we triggered three slides on the way out in the dark. I'm like, I'm like, no, like I, 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 a person worries me. So yeah, we should have t-shirts say, made up that say, avoid the drama. And, and uh, cause yeah, that's, that's not good. I like that. But I think that can be one of the challenges when you're guiding or instructing other people on these adventure experiences is the, the, pressure or the desire to deliver that 10 out of 10 experience for the leader which of course increases the chances of experiencing some level of complexity and disaster versus taking the easier route and the person that you're with, they're probably fine with just making a simpler decision where there's less complexity, less risk, fewer things that can go wrong. But I think often, especially when you're younger and you're doing these things, you you want to have the giant epic. Tied up in what you just said is the... I think maybe in the outdoor industry, we, we, because we tend to sell our trips as objectives. 
we say you're going to go climb this peak or you're going to go do this ski tour or you're going to go do this river or whatever we 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 kind of it kind of builds us a box before we even get out there and we have to sell we have to sell something right this is we're also in the business of selling adventure not just delivering it we we sell these things right let's face that so there's a bit of sales involved here but one thing that's helped me make better decisions is to focus less on selling objectives and more on selling experiences and getting back to what you just said it's it it it's people want to have a really cool experience and I tend to avoid the type of adventure delivery where it's delivering an objective. If somebody calls me up and says, hey, I want to go climb Polar Circus, it's a big, scary ice route with a lot of objective hazard. I, I would generally say something like, well, that might happen. Um, I can I can probably guarantee we'll have a really good time. You'll, you'll learn a lot about ice climbing. We'll have a rad trip. But if Polar Circus isn't in shape, I'm not going, I'm not going in there. So are you comfortable with that? And it's managing those expectations and maybe shifting our thinking from objectives to experiences because a lot of the days i've had out there if i just focus on the objective either personally or professionally then it's a situation that in jordy's words is going to be ripe for drama and uh and occasionally we sell that we're going to climb this peak or whatever but i don't really like that type of adventure delivery i'm more like we're going to go up into the mountains for x number of days or hours or whatever and we're going to have a great time and i you know this is or we're going to learn a lot and it might be kind of miserable, but you're going to have a memorable day. That I promise. And, and that works for people a lot more, but we tend to think in terms of objectives. And I don't think that's as helpful and it has an impact on our decision-making. And it's, it's just not a, uh, it's not the way it works. You know, a lot of times I get people that like want to do X and then we end up doing Y and they're like, that was the best day I've had in years. And as, as a, provider of outdoor adventure that's what i'm looking for not necessarily the summit shot of that peak maybe they're like we went and did something i've had guests that showed up here to go rock climbing and we ended up going paragliding and they had a great time because the rock climbing was miserable the paragliding flight was like the highlight of experience and i have more flexibility maybe to do that than some people and, and i recognize that but i think we could all focus more on delivering experiences than objectives and and i think that would be better yeah, that's such an excellent point. Teaching skiing, I have a lot of colleagues and and myself, I fall right in there, ending up in situations where you, the people you're with, the clients, they want to uh, achieve a certain objective, that trophy experience. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the I want to do that level of run. I want to make it to a blue run or a black run or, or, or mm -hmm. a double black run or whatever. And you've got that pressure on you. And when you have an opportunity to make sure that they've got the skills to do it and the conditions are right and they and they have enough energy then you can make that happen but it's so easy i find to fall into the traps of saying yep we're going to do that and then you find out that actually the the stars don't align they don't have all of the things going for them that they need to do to make it happen. And now you've got to backtrack. And of course, you've set these expectations that can kind of set you up. My partner does something really interesting when people are pushing her, especially especially kids, and just she'll just say, when people are asking her, well, what are we going to do? She'll just say, mystery day or mystery run, <laughs> right? Like, just sit back, yeah. live in the moment, and let's just see. Because it's so easy when we're leading to get caught in setting that 
that objective ourselves and then something changes and and you can't make it happen yeah well, i think that's a i like the mystery day idea i might i might employ that but i i think i think most of the time when people hire me to do whatever it is it's it's it is that it's like we'll do the best thing we can with that day and the best thing will be is variable and and i very rarely have anybody who's disappointed you know i we're going to have a great day. We're going to learn something and it's going to be a good experience. And, you know, very rarely I'll have somebody say, well, we didn't climb the peak, but it honestly, it's, it's so rare. Like we have good days. Mystery days are, are great to a point, but we have to put something on our advertising and our media and um, but maybe defining saying, we'll, we'll look at climbing these peaks in this area rather than just this peak or, um, and, and putting more of an emphasis on, that fire in somebody's eyes at the end of the day, that's what we're after. Where they're like, I just did something rad. In your case, maybe that person did a really fantastic job. Like they they learned how to like actually ski and feel better about it rather than just suffering down some black rut at the end of the day. You know, like that's a you know, if they want that great, but I bet they'd be more fired up to like really get that feeling of leaning it over and enjoying that movement, you know. Cool. And while it's good for us to to explore, be exploring while we're working and in a professional setting, it's more stressful and potentially yeah. leads to more drama in the end for everybody involved. And so I think one strategy is in terms of decision making is to actually go places that you know well. And you know then where these the people that we're instructing, guiding, giving these experiences mm-hmm. to, it's like opening a present for them but you don't you already know what's in the box and yeah and so you can orchestrate that where it's like okay well th- things are not going to go well if we go this way but i know just around the corner over here there's this amazing waterfall with a set of pools or you know like something that's just like mind-blowing that will will completely make their day even yeah. if you're not making the objective and so you're yeah you're pulling pulling a rabbit out of the hat but you know the rabbit is there. Yeah, well, you've got you've got backups, and and I think that creativity is really important across all the different sectors that I work in. It's like that ability to go, yeah, let's we can do something cool here, and then to know about it, or to manage expectations and just say, hey, um, you know, I've done a lot of on-site, you know, on-site meaning walking up and figuring it out, both guiding and teaching in rivers and paragliding and other sports and industries and and if you frame it right, you're like, honestly, I think this is where we're going to go, but I don't know. And here's the map for your phone. And we're going to figure this out together today. And we're going to come back and we're going to avoid the drama. That 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 can be a cool thing too. Um, to the, but you have to involve your guest at that point or your, your, your crew, whatever you're managing and get them either into it. If they're like, you know, I don't want to do that. Then, then have that backup plan and say, all right, we're going to go to the area I know really well. And it might be skied out, but that's where we're going, whatever, whatever you're managing, you know? So, yeah, but having that, again, self-knowledge and, and some trust in yourself, too, that you can give. If, if you take a people out, if you take a group of people outside and give them some form of adventure, very rarely do they go get back and go, well, that sucked, you know? But maybe just relaxing a bit, being okay with not the absolute objective driven outlook and and being okay with just being outside with a great group of people. Usually that, that works out pretty well. You don't, you don't need to, to take it to the limit um, as much, but I like that. Why do you think 
people should work on developing their decision-making skills. Like I, I see a lot of my colleagues that they don't really think about this. They don't go home maybe necessarily and think about, hey, I, you know what, if I did that again, I would have done this a little bit differently or, or maybe I, I made a mistake there. They just kind of go out and it just happens. And, and if, it, if, it, if it blew up, it's like, well, maybe that it's, it's out of my control, shit happens, or it's somebody else's fault. Why do you think people should actually work on their decision-making? And how do you think people can do that? I mean, these are really big questions and, and I'm not sure that I have like perfect answers to them, but like every consequential group, every, every group of people that works in high consequence and high, um, high hazard environments does what they would call an after action report. And I, I think if you look at the military or um, surgeons or, or other groups of people that are relied on to make good decisions, there is that component of either peer or personal self-examination afterwards. It's really important. And I think we in the outdoor industry could actually take some notes from other sectors that, that work with high consequence and high hazard environments and put that time in. You know, if somebody... Every time a, a patrol goes out in a military setting and comes back, there's an after-action report where they break down what went well, what didn't, and what they could do better. And it's expected that people will learn from that and share that information. And I think we in the outdoor industry are a bit smug sometimes. We're like, well, we do this all the time. We've got a great record rather than going, yeah, you know, we could probably do better at this and, and investing in ourselves and in our industry to make it better. So I, I'd really... You know, there's a lot there in terms of information sharing in the outdoor industry that would allow us to make much better decision decisions. You know, we have a few things that are relatively proprietary in in our world that we use, like the InfoX for for um, commercial snow operations of one kind or another, industrial snow operations, and we share things on there. But we could also be sharing um, more directly with a lot more people. We have the Mountain Information Network. But we could make a lot better decisions if we had the same structure that the military does when where they collect, you know, okay, the, the last 50 times we got hit with an IED, these four things happened before, and then they start moving forward at, at a high level. So I think that leads to better decision making if you examine it. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm pathological about this. I, I have to look at it and figure it out. And then I think another thing, it's really important in what we're talking about is just, is just that outcomes are not decisions. These two things, I had some tremendously good luck when I was young and I look back on it and I'm like, wow, what was I doing there? And, and that still happens. I'll do that in 30 years. If I'm still playing this game, I'll look back. I'm like, what was I doing there? I'm sure. So I think you just speed that learning up by, by digging into it and, and hopefully also in, with peers or colleagues or, or friends who are honest to, to tell you about it and separate that decision-making from the outcomes and, and realize that sometimes you get lucky. And uh, in fact, you get lucky a lot. You know, if you're 99% certain something is going to go down well, and this is an Annie Duke thing, then eventually you're going to hit the 1% number. You're going to hit that weird set of cards that takes you out. But you're going to get, on average, 99, you could call them false positives beforehand. And you're like, I'm making great decisions. I've got this all locked out. And then you get taken out by something that's expected, but you hadn't seen coming. And if you review your decisions, um, and I've had a lot of situations where I've looked at my decisions through the day and gone, well, the outcome was decent, 
but boy, was that close. And it is so close in our world of, of outdoor adventure. I think it's, it's so close between a great day and a really horrible day. And, and I don't think, you know, you got to review your decision. So that's, that's your question. But I mean, I think, I think you do that. And I hope, I think that's becoming more fashionable. Conrad Kane did it for Christ's sake. We ought to be able to do it today. You know? Well, I think, it, I think it's hard for a lot of people because if you say to yourself, oh, I, I blew that, then in some ways it's eroding your own ego, right? You're coming out and you're saying, well, I, I must be bad or, or I, I really screwed up to go and make that decision. And all of a sudden now you're, you're sort of pounding yourself down versus, and, and this is kind of how I, I try to, to see it, to not have that happen. Mm. I, I have this approach and I call it the even better approach. So instead of mm. saying, well, what could you do to make that better? It's what could you do to make it even better? And it's not saying that what you did was bad. It's saying, what could you do to make it even better? So it might've been a nine out of 10, which you just did, but you're shooting for 10 or you're shooting for 11 mm -hmm. out of 10. And I do find a lot of people that I deal with, especially if they're not as secure with themselves and Will, you don't have that problem at all, um, oh, <laughs> is uh, they're not as confident. They're almost afraid to admit those mistakes that it, that it sort of pounds them down a little bit. I think this is again, that self-awareness piece. And I think people see me climbing or whatever. They're like, Oh, that guy's got his shit together. And I, I'm, I've done a lot of it. I think I've got a reasonable skill level at it for sure. And I, I work at it, but I, I really know that every day I go out, I am going to make errors. And if you start with that viewpoint, then you catch those errors faster and they're, they're opportunities to, to learn from. And I don't, I think when I was younger, I, especially if I had a bad outcome and I had some when I was younger, I would go home and just destroy myself. Like, how could I possibly have missed all this stuff? You know, I must be an idiot. And now I'm like, well, I'm human. And so is everybody else out here. And we make mistakes. And, you know, that process of how we arrive at the decisions becomes even more important because you can look at it and go, well, did I actually do my diligence? Did I get my phone out and look at the Windy Report that day? last week and go, yeah, there might be an issue there. Or they just go, oh, hazard's low, influx says nothing, public forecast says nothing, I'm going. And if you look at the end of the day and go, wow, I didn't even check anything. And you had a good outcome, it's all good. But if you had a less good outcome from you know a big slough going over your head that you didn't expect to a really bad outcome, but you did a good process, you, you worked through it, then it helps, at least it helps me have more confidence and saying, yeah, that was very hard to see. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I did my best in this situation. I truly did. I was diligent. I worked hard at it and, and things didn't go that, go my way, but there's some freedom too. And just going, you know what? I, I, to use a, a colloquialism, I fuck up regularly here and, and my job is to get better and do less of that. But if you, if you can be really take that on board and be like, yeah, that's the state of affairs. I'm going to get better at it. It's like, you just learned something. And it, and it separates out that bludgeoning, at least for me, that that you know you're you're talking about because I that's not productive either. It, 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 yeah, so that doesn't help. And you don't want to get to the point where you're just paralyzed and can't make a yeah. decision either, right? And and nobody's hiring us for that. Yeah, a lot of just riffing on that for one second. The the 
I totally agree with that. And I, you know, we are getting paid to make decisions. Um, I think if anything, though, often we, we forget to let people know that we're human or we don't think they'll respond well. If, if we say, Hey, we're not really sure what's going on here. And in doing that, it often brings people into the process and it's okay to say, I actually don't know. I, I, I've got to stop and figure this out. And if we kind of humanize that a bit and and make it more open, um, we still have to make decisions. Maybe the decision is to go down and and or go go back to the bar. You know, it's like, but that that humanness that actually connects you with people and makes makes the group stronger. And I think a big problem that I've seen historically in the delivery of adventure is that we put on this halo of expertise. We know what we're doing. We're really good at this. You know, and, and then we go out there and I, I, I think that's, that's really hard. You know, I, I, I had a thing happen. You got to get rid of that. Like to me, it's, it's really important that I'm seen as approachable because I'm often, you know, I'm, I'm older, I've done this a lot. And, uh, I'll often start my meetings off by saying, Hey, you know, you've probably seen a picture in a magazine or whatever. And there I am, you know, my Red Bull helmet and yada, yada, yada. And the truth is that like, I screw up regularly. And part of our job today is for you to catch that. So when I do something weird and I'm going to do it, you know, maybe I run over underneath an ice climb or I, you know, not taking care on launch of my paraglider, whatever I'm the expert in that day, um, I'd like you to speak up. And yesterday at Hafner, one of the, the, the awesome Filipino guys that I've, I've run at a group of 12 people in a pretty high hazard environment, and I'm coaching somebody, he goes, Will, Will, you're pretty high off the ground without a rope right now. And I was like, I love you. You know, like that guy felt him, felt like he could speak up to me and, and call me out on what was actually a good call. Because it was kind of bullshit that I was that high off the ground without a rope. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I got this. And But the reality is, why do I need to take that risk? And so there, there, there's two poles to that. You've got to be a leader. You have to have confidence and you have to make decisions. But you've also got to let people talk, you know, to, to engage in that process with you and and maybe help keep you safe too. So I, I love thinking about this stuff. It's, I sway back and forth at it as time goes on, but I love it. Thank you for that. That's cool. Listen, so many great things uh, that came up today. I, I think uh, we all agree that there was a lot to unpack and we could have uh, gone in a whole bunch of different directions. You know what, Will, you should just have your own podcast uh, series, <laughs> uh, actually. So um, listen, we'd like to thank you for coming on uh coming on uh this episode with us and um yeah best best of luck yeah thanks for having me on and it's yeah decision making it's it's a lifelong quest and i think we're all on it you know in this delivering adventure business and it's like get better and learn and and uh yeah i love it so we can talk about this forever it's so funny i had a conversation with a colleague today about a lot of these same topics and we were trying to figure out risk and reward and asymmetric you know and any duke's book on we bet with so much that we have to base a lot of our decisions off loss aversion. We don't taking riskier decisions in our world doesn't get us a bigger pot of gold like it does at the poker table, you know. And anyhow, just love this stuff, and, and I hope people enjoy thinking about it also. And yeah, maybe round three. I always enjoy talking with both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. If you would like to learn more about Will, join him on a guided trip or hire him to speak at your event, please visit wheelgad.com. You can also go back to Season 1 
and check out episodes five and six, where Will talked in depth about how to avoid misadventure. All right, Jordy, what were some of your takeaways from this episode? Well, Chris, as always, Will's great to chat with, and he's just a depth of experience and always offers some really good advice. First, a good decision and a good outcome are not always the same thing. Just because something worked out doesn't mean we made a good decision. It could be just that we were lucky. Second, good judgment increases our chances of getting good outcomes, while poor judgment can increase our chances of getting bad outcomes, and also this is known in the adventure circles as misadventure. And lastly, one of the keys to being able to exercise good judgment and make good decisions is the ability to be self-aware. As Will put it, a lack of self-awareness leads to not knowing what is going on in our own head. That can lead us to not recognizing what others are thinking. On the other hand, an abundance of self-awareness helps us to know our weaknesses and our capabilities. It also helps us to recognize and manage human factors like bias. This is something that we will be speaking with Mike Adolph about shortly on a future episode. Great points, Jordy. I just want to add two more. The first one is why decision-making is so hard. We are often making very consequential decisions with limited information. This is something that Will touched on. Adding to this is the fact that adventure guides and adventure instructors are often making decisions in complex environments with hard-to-predict weather and changeable conditions. It can also be hard to know how the people that they are working with will perform under stress. Second were some of the key decision-making strategies that Will mentioned. They included collecting as much information as possible, slowing things down, and stepping away from people so that we can process information more thoroughly. It can also be helpful to avoid setting objectives that can be hard to change, although this isn't always possible. Using the mystery day analogy, like my partner Jeannie does, can be a useful tactic when you want to get people to focus on living in the moment, while reducing the need to commit to a set plan in advance. Overall, the role of a guide, instructor, or leader is to reduce uncertainty so that there is less drama. Excitement feels good, drama feels stressful, and possibly much, much worse. As we go through the rest of this season, we're going to continue to explore some of the different facets of decision-making. Our many thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your social network, and don't forget to follow the show so that you don't miss out on future episodes, including Will Gad talking about how to communicate risk to others. Happy adventuring. <laughs>